At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warm up Welcome to Bumpy Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. We do have a great podcast for you. It's in the second segment. Danny Burke does a terrific job over here at the network. He is going to be joining me. We're going to be diving into what to make out of the recent rise of the Chicago White Sox ever since shock, shock, surprise, surprise, Tony La Russa left. Things have been going relatively swimmingly for them. So we're going to get their outlook if they've got any sort of a shot to be able to win the AL Central. And then on top of that, we're going to be taking a look at just how to gauge some of these teams in which they are out of the race in general. We're going to be taking a look at this Cubs versus Red series in a little bit more depth as well. So we're going to have that chat with Danny in the second segment. In the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. If you got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM. Maybe it does not matter. As per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way, it is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast by that five-star review. Really did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today. And like I said, with the Greg Peterson experience now being from 9 to midnight Pacific time, midnight to 3 Eastern, I do have to record this well more in advance. So I don't have too many finals from Tuesday. So if there's some other idea that you guys have for the first segment, especially on days in which we wind up having all night games, much like we wound up seeing on Tuesday, do fire those in at Jane and Aaron's 41. I am receptive to 
all of feedback there. But let's take a look back at what we did wind up getting, both in terms of very, very late Monday night and into Tuesday, trying to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. We'll polish off the two West Coast games from Monday first as the LA Angels took down the Detroit Tigers by kind of 10 to 0 as Cody Clements. He wound up having a pitch once again, and I mean, for Cody Clements, he is really racking up some innings at this point as this is a guy that all of a sudden now has a 450 ERA, so that indicates that he's been throwing more innings than he probably should at this point, but that's that Tyler Alexander got destroyed by the. Angels says he gave up seven runs, six of which were earned in four and a third innings for the Angels. Shohei Otani doing everything they can to be able to get into the MVP race. Home runs number 31 and 32 of the season. Alexander winds up giving one up to Mike Trout as well. 30th home run season. The other home run, that one coming off of Garrett Hill for Shohei Otani. He wanted giving up two runs over the course of his ending of work for the Detroit Tigers. They come up snake eyes on offense. No shock there as for the LA Angels, Jose Suarez, who has been really putting together a nice second half of the season. Seven scoreless innings. Andrew Wants was able to give you a scoreless inning along with Zach Weiss. And then the curse of Sunday Night Baseball just continues. Teams that played on Sunday Night Baseball and then they play on Monday, they are currently sitting here with a record of 7-17 and this season. The San Francisco Giants took down the LA Dodgers by kind of 7-4. to Logan Webb, not terrible, not great. Three runs, two of which were earned over the course of six innings, giving up home run along the way to Freddie Freeman, 17th of the season. And then Austin Barnes, seventh home run season. That comes off of Junior Marte as Marte. It was not a Marte Parte giving up that home run in one and a third innings. Scott Alexander, though, along with Camilo Duvall, they get five outs out of the bullpen scoreless. And Lewis Brinson wound up having a pair of home runs. I did not think that we would see a Lewis Brinson multi-home run game, but he goes deep off of Justin Heaney along with Justin Brule. His second... And first, home runs of the season. Terry Estrada, he goes deep off of Heaney for his 12th home run of the season. You wind up having Dom Villar get home run number two of the season off of Heaney. And then J.D. Davis, he goes deep off of, you guessed it, Andrew Heaney. Ninth home run of the season for Heaney. He fills five and a third innings, giving up six runs and four bobs. That was an ERA booster right there as Caleb Ferguson pair of outs out of the bullpen. Blake Tryon winds up giving an inning. Going scoreless there, and then just Brule gives up a one run over the course of two innings. And then on Tuesday, you do wind up seeing the Tampa Bay Rays have to do a little bit of a switcheroony as you do wind up having an interesting circumstance in this one as they were supposed to have Drew Rasmussen make the start. He's on paternity leave, so congratulations as the Rays use a bullpen game and they get the job done by a count of 8-4 to four as Nobody wanted throwing more than two innings. I was hearing that Yoni Torinos was supposed to be the bulk guy. He didn't come in at all in this game as JT Jorgois, he gives up two runs over the course of his two innings, including home run. Jalen Beeks, he gives up two runs in an inning, including home run, and then everyone else was spotless as Gary Clevenger, Brooks Raley, both give two innings scoreless. Jason Adam, along with Calvin Fotcher, both lend a scoreless inning as for the Tampa Bay Rays. Troy of home runs of their own. Randy Orozarena, home run number 19 of the season off of starter. Rich Hill, you wind up having Christian Bethancourt along with Yu Chang. Go deep off of Mr. Eduardo Bizzardo. For Chang, fourth home run season, Bethancourt is 10th as Bizzardo. It's bizarre as to why he's getting innings. He gives up two runs over the course of two innings, both still home runs. ERA does not move because it was at nine and it's still at nine. And for Rich Hill, gives up five runs over the course of four innings, including one of those homers. Tyler Danish, he gives up a run in an inning. And then Ryan Brazier, squirrel setting of his own as for the Red Sox main form of offense. The two home runs, Tommy Pham, home run number 16 of the season. And Tristan Casas, he winds up getting his first career home run. For the New York Mets, they have now lost three straight times as north of a $2 favorite. 
They wind up falling to the Pittsburgh Pirates by a count of 8-2 as Tywin Walker, not the start he was looking for, giving up four runs over the course of five innings, including a homer. Going deep for the Pittsburgh Pirates off of him would be Rodolfo Castro, sixth home run season. Oniel Cruz goes deep off of Tommy Hunter, home run number 13 of the season for Hunter. Gives up that home run over the course of a third of an inning. He had three runs in one and two-thirds innings, given up by Bryce Montez de Osa and a scroll setting for Michael Givens and for the Mets, not a lot of offense here. Brandon Nemo, home run number 13 of the campaign. That does wind up coming off of the reliever, Robert Stevenson, who gives up two runs and two-thirds of an inning. Mitch Keller, six scoreless innings. He was terrific. And then Manny Benuelos, one and a third inning scoreless. And Will Crow, a scoreless inning. So you're going to have a nice double dip between these two teams. And now you got a lot of games that they are starting to go final. The Miami Marlins looks like they are going to prolong their streak of games in which they have scored three runs or fewer, entered into the night with 30 out of their last 33, in which they had scored three runs or fewer. And Aaron Nola, he was able to do a solid job in this one, giving up one run in six and two-thirds innings, including 10 strikeouts. Did have right hand give up a run in an inning. As I do this, it's in the bottom of the ninth, 2-2, two to two, as the Miami Marlins just have not been able to get going on offense whatsoever. And Armando Sosa, home run number one of the season. That comes off of Ace Cesardo and the Mariners pitching... The Marlins pitching has been solid for Lazardo. He gives up two runs in seven innings, including that home receiver to Kurt. Squirrel setting out of the bullpen. They just have no support around them right now. Very early in the game, but the Atlanta Braves struck for three in the first against the Oakland A's. That is a case which the Atlanta Braves playing for first place if they're able to take down the Oakland A's. So certainly of note there. Also certainly of note, the fact that you wound up seeing both starters wind up getting destroyed in this Baltimore Orioles versus Toronto Blue Jays game. As I do it, it is currently 6-4 to four in the bottom of the sixth inning as the Toronto Blue Jays Literally wanted going 3 of 14 with men in scoring position in the first five innings of the game as Bobachet, he winds up getting home run number four in his last two games, 22nd of the season. That comes off of Kyle Bradish, who was not long for this game, giving up three runs over the course of three innings. Bullpen is going to try to piecemeal it together from there. And for Mitch White, five runs surrendered in two and a third innings. Bullpen going to also try to piecemeal it together from there. You do wind up having the Cubs and the Cincinnati Reds do battle on the Cubs. They were able to get the job done in this one behind Wayne Miley. In his first start in quite a while, giving up two runs over the course of four innings. And then Hayden Wesneski, someone who has been a highly touted prospect for the Cubs. He came in in super long relief. He looked solid for the Cubs pair of home runs. C.A. Suzuki, home run number 11 of the season. Ian App, home run number 16. They both come off with Justin Dunn, unable to get her done. Three runs surrendered over the course of four and two-thirds innings. But Kyle Farmer, right now on cycle watch as you got home run number nine of the season. You want to getting a triple in this game as well. So we shall see how that winds up being able to fare. And you have seen the Milwaukee Brewers be able to erupt on the Colorado Rockies. Most of these other games, they are just getting started. Or they are just games in which you're just not able to have much on in general. So like I said, if you've got other ideas for this recap portion of the first segment, Send those in at GNIT underscore 81 on Twitter just because I have been moved up in terms of the time in which I do need to wind up doing this. But with that said, if you take a look at what we've been getting in Major League Baseball season to date, we have been seeing that unders, they continue to cash. 987 unders to 918 overs, sitting at right around a 51.8% clip. And what I think it's been very fascinating is recently unders have really been able to hit like wildfire as well over the last seven days. 50 unders to 41 overs in this time span as well. Favorites hitting at 72.5%. 68 and 26 is the mark for favorites over the last seven days with quite a few games pending on Tuesday. But 
certainly has been interesting to see the divide of the haves and the haves not because over the last 30 days, favorites are hitting more around 63%, 242 and 142 straight up in this science fan. We have seen the undergo 53.5%. So that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now, and that's what we wound up getting on very late Monday into super early Tuesday. Now, let's turn our attention to the great city of Chicago coming up next. We're going to be talking to Danny Burke. He does an amazing job over here at the network and also does a radio show out there in Chicago. Bet on Chicago. So we're going to be talking White Sox, Cubs, and so much more next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Craig Peterson, now a part of the Decent Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron. 
And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. 
It is always a pleasure to get Danny Burke aboard as he is doing absolutely amazing work over at the network. He does the Pro Football Betting Podcast over here at VSIN. If you're out there in the Chicago area, you're able to hear his radio show, Bet on Chicago, 7 to 9 p.m. Central Time. That is over there with 6.90 a.m. out there in the great state of Illinois. And on top of that, I know that he's doing a great job every Saturday and Sunday taking a look at everything that we're getting in terms of both college and pro football, doing a lot of our live shows over there. And to be able to catch Danny Burke on Twitter, that is at Danny Burke and then the number five all together. And Danny, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, man. Always happy to join you, Greg. We're getting into the exciting part of this baseball season and a lot of people here in Chicago uh, sweating, stressing, freaking out, all the above for the Chicago White Sox. And look, nothing's changed with that from the beginning of the year, but now it's actually getting the crunch time. So uh, it's fun. We'll we'll see what happens down the final stretch here, my man. Absolutely. And while the Chicago White Sox, as of right now, they're not in the postseason picture, and we're doing this just before first pitch of their game on Tuesday, so we don't know how that wound up turning out, but the team has went 5-1 and one ever since Tony La Russa has been away from the team for health issues, which obviously you don't want anything bad happening to Tony La Russa from a health perspective. We are also humans here, but I mean, with that said, we've been saying it all year long that Tony La Russa has been the biggest albatross for the Chicago White Sox all season long. And shock, shock, surprise, surprise, they're playing some of their best baseball of the season. Right when he wound up leaving the fold. And I take a look at the White Sox right now, and it's a pretty wide-open division. And I think that if they just continue to play the way that they have over the last six, seven games, that this is a bunch that they're not out of the race yet. Greg, this team about maybe it was like a week ago, maybe a little bit longer, when they were about five games back. I was yeah, right. I mean, everybody declared him dead, right? And then furthermore, though, their odds were like 8-1, to 9-1 to one to win the Central. Right now, I see it off the board in some spots. I'm not sure what numbers you're kind of seeing by you. I'll, I'll scavenge a little bit more so. But, man, I mean, there's been like two, three different times where I have declared this team dead. And then at the same time, there have been probably five instances before August where I'm like, nah, this team will still come around and they'll still find a way. And I'm sure a few of those times have come here on your podcast because you would think that they still had the talented team. And Greg, you're right. I mean, look, Tony LaRusa, you wish him the best. You want him to be healthy. But if you're looking at it from the sports perspective, again, who saw that coming? Everybody except the White Sox front office, apparently. It's it's literally just so asinine why he's still a part of this team. He's given you every single indication that he should not be the manager of this club. And after this year, who the heck knows at this point, Greg? The organization is just so boneheaded. You don't know what to expect with them. But, man, I mean, a couple games back, we, we figured that one of those teams would falter of the Twins and the Guardians. I personally thought it would be both, but more so – the Guardians and the Twins, and it's just been so wonky to this point where I can keep talking, but at the end of the day, I don't know what's going to happen. But if you're looking for value, you certainly could have had it with the White Sox a little bit further back. I mean, I'm seeing plus 310 right now, Greg, at some spots. So look, I I mean, considering that they're only a couple games back, it's not a crazy idea to think that based on the value, it's a bad play. I mean, again, Will the White Sox have enough starting pitching, and can they get out in front early? Their bullpens actually come around for the most part, and look, they took care of business against Minnesota. I was pretty scared for them in that series, and again, we'll see 
what ends up happening with the Mariners game as we're recording a little bit earlier. But, man, I mean, they almost got to be perfect from this point on. But if there's a team to do it in that division, I guess why can't it be the White Sox without Tony La Russa involved? Yep, to your point, I am seeing them at plus 310. And after they finish up this series with the Mariners, which no doubt that's going to be a tough one, they play at home against the Rockies. That's a very big key. And they get the Oakland A's as well. They get a series against the Detroit Tigers. They've actually got two series here in the month against the Detroit Tigers. So, you know what? There is a little bit of let up in the schedule. They're going to need to perform well against the Guardians and the Twins as they've got a pair of sets against both of those teams as well. As joining me on the podcast, it is Danny Burke. But I do take a look at this White Sox team, and what I think is a big thing for them right now is that the pitching in general, along with the bullpen, has been able to come around because the White Sox, the big question that I wound up having is, you know that Liam Hendricks, Kendall Graveman, they're going to be able to do a relatively solid job. I think that Kendall Graveman, about a top five closer in the league. He's not on the level of Manu Classe. He's not on the level of Edwin Diaz, but he's been able to do a relatively solid job this year. You know what you're going to be able to get out of Kendall Graveman. But I take a look at Jimmy Lambert, Ronaldo Lopez, failed starters who have went to the bullpen and have been able to find a little bit of a home there to relieve innings from Joe Kelly. He's been absolutely terrible. But I think that that has been really a big key for this White Sox team because the offense, not a lot of power, but they move the line. They do a good job of being able to reach base. And that, by default, is going to get you a couple runs every single game. You just need that bridge to be able to get to some of these better relievers. And they've been able to get that couple with Dylan Cease every fifth day, always being able to sling a good start. Yeah, and look, they've really been fortunate if you think about it. And it sounds funny to say that because, again, they're still out of the playoff conversation. They're two games back from coming out on top of the Central, and there's just been – so many disgusting things that have happened, but their starting rotation is just really not deep whatsoever with the fact that Kopech has not been reliable and now he's obviously a little bit banged up. Giolito's been a nightmare. Johnny Cueto's been your saving grace. I mean, who would have thunk it that Johnny Cueto would be the guy that the White Sox, aside from Dylan sees, would have to rely on on a consistent basis. You brought him over before the year and you're like, okay, that's cool because it's a name recognition, but you're not really expecting him to be like vintage Cueto. And my goodness, he's put himself or he's put the team on his back in various starts this year. And I get his underlying metrics really don't show that he should be doing as good as he is. But if it's coming to fruition on the field, who cares? It's just a lot of times too, the offense has not backed him up. I mean, you heard him about, I don't know, maybe a month ago saying that this team needs a spark. They need the ignition. And then again, going back to old man LaRusse, he's like, oh, we don't need to hear that. You should just keep quiet. Like, no, you need that kind of chatter from your locker room. It shouldn't have to come from Johnny Cueto, his first year on the team, but that's the position they were in. But Greg, I mean, you're right. Look, there is enough to get the job done, but if they find a way, just still be careful out there with the playoffs. If they catch a hot streak, I would still not be looking to ride that momentum wave because you have seen what this team is capable of in terms of the bad ways of performing. And yeah, you've seen what they can do, but there's just no way they can do that or produce that throughout a postseason series against top-tier competition. They're just far outmatched in whatever scenario is going to be presented to them if they find themselves in the postseason. So I got a side bet with a friend too, so I am hoping the White Sox do in the Central. But then once it gets to the postseason, unless the odds are kind of just absolutely egregious I'll, I'll be looking to fade them they are not built for the postseason whatsoever they, if anything you know they're going to get in by the skin of their teeth 
And then they'll take so much to exhaust getting to that point that they'll probably just get blown out in whatever capacity they have in front of them in the playoffs. Yep, and they've got a puncher's chance in a wild card because you yeah. do wind up having Dylan Cease along Johnny Cueto. They were both able to give you one start, and you know what? That might be enough in a three-game wild card, but to your point, if they wind up going up against especially the Houston Astros who wind up eliminating them for the postseason last year, I think it's curtains for them. And, I mean, right now at this point, other than the Houston Astros, we're trying to find who's going to be able to compete with that team at this point as well. So I certainly do think that to your point, if they do want to make the postseason, it is going to be curtains from there. As joining me on the podcast, we do have Danny Burke, but I do think that it is interesting to take a look at just the landscape of baseball in general because out there in the NL Central, a division that we've been talking about quite a bit, I, I think that this one is as good as done. If the Milwaukee Brewers wind up coming back and winning that division, you just let me know because I am going to declare them dead right now. Their only hope is that the San Diego Padres just keep pitching Josh Hader every night to be able to get them back into contention for the wild card. But I do think that it is still interesting to take a look at evaluating some of these teams that they are out of it in the final month. Like the Reds and the Cubs are right now playing a solid series. And I mean, these are a pair of teams that even though they're out of the playoffs, I'd still say that they're able to give you a solid effort. Now, DJ Zoik, whenever he's taking the mound for the Reds, just about the other side. It's been a nice big giant cash cow there along Dallas Keuchel, whatever he's been out there for. Now three different teams, which just boggles the mind, but I do think that trying to be able to find some of these trustworthy teams that are a little bit, shall we say, out of the playoff hunt is something that is important this time of year when it comes to handicapping baseball. And in certain spots, the Chicago Cubs have actually been decent post-All-Star break. Yeah, how about it, Greg? I mean, I was completely wrong on this one because before we kind of went into the All-Star break, I was doing segments just talking about teams you'd want to avoid in the second half, right? Teams that didn't really have any stellar guys to bring up from their farm system and teams that clearly weren't going to make the postseason. And at that point, it seemed like the Cubs were a perfect fit along with a team like the Oakland A's. Like, you look at a team like Pittsburgh, and no, they're not going to make the playoffs, but they had some exciting young guys to bring up from their farm system. The Cubs really were not in that same conversation. But to your point, as you've mentioned, this team has been competitive. Man, they, they've gone on streaks. What did they go like 15 and 15 in August? They ended up 500. And wow, I mean, this team is just not giving up, which is great. Like as a Cubs fan, it, it puts me in a weird spot because are they almost doing competitive enough to where the front office goes, okay, we still feel comfortable enough with this squad that they could compete next year. And it does scare you based on sometimes their lack of prowess to just want to jump in and spend money on guys, I guess. Or at the same time, you're like, all right, these guys are being competitive. It's fun. It's enjoyable to watch for the most part. You got a decent core group. But if they do add enough players with the money they should have, then we can be excited. But we just don't know as Cubs fans if that is guaranteed. If it is, then, man, I'm feeling pretty good about how they've looked in the second half of the season. But, hey, Greg, aside from just kind of the fan standpoint, obviously the importance is how we're looking at it from betting. You're right, though. I mean, you're getting good value on this Cubs team, and especially when you're going up against the likes of teams that are pretty much even keel with them or below them. Like in this series against the Cincinnati Reds, pretty good matchup potentially fading Mike Miner in their next game against Cincinnati. Like Miner's been an absolute disaster, and those are the type of pitchers you want to pick against, especially at Wrigley against the Southpaw with this Cubs team. So it's situations like that to where you would look to back the Cubs – 
It's not often that I've been doing it in the second half, Greg, but when you get a good advantageous spot on paper like that one, that's where I would be interested in doing so, and it might end up making my betting slip. Yep, and it should be interesting to see what we wind up getting moving forward out of them as they look to play spoiler in a couple big series as well. As yeah. Here's the Diamondbacks have been able to do a very solid job of that as well. Mm-hmm. So it's been fun to watch some of these teams that – They're out of the playoff race, but they are giving you a relatively good effort as Danny Burke does a great job over here at Beeson is joining me on the podcast. And Danny, when it comes to Wednesday's slate now, I will say this right now, we've got quite a few games that are off the board because we've got two double dips, which that always makes things very fun and interesting. We've had a couple pitching changes that has gone on with a few of these games as well. So a little bit more of a bare board as we might have talking right around five to six o'clock p.m. Pacific time. But with that said, is there anything that you got started on the Wednesday card as to whether or not you're going to bet it or at the same time, maybe you're just taking a look at perhaps something that you might be looking to a little bit more towards back half of the season in general? Right. Like I was saying, I think the Cubs side is an interesting bet. That may be one depending on where that price ends up that I might get involved with. Also with the White Sox, again, depending on how their game ends tonight, if the Sox are able to pull off another dub against Seattle, don't really know who's set in the lineup. I'd probably be looking to back the Mariners. Not sure if I'll actually play it, but that may be something worth consideration. The rest of the slate, nothing really jumps out too much. You know, at this point of the season, Greg, I personally just look for these teams who need that extra advantage, need that incentive. I really need to get these wins down the line. Like at this point, I don't really want to bet the Dodgers laying almost $3 with Kershaw on the bump against a divisional opponent in the Giants because the Dodgers have everything wrapped up heading into the postseason. I know there's still time and yeah, they're going to go out there and try, but you know, it means more to the Giants right now than it does to the Dodgers. A team like the Yankees, yeah, they're going to make the postseason, but they've also been a train wreck this second and half so nothing that I'd want to trust there you mentioned the Diamondbacks my god I can't get a read on this team for anything and I certainly don't want to be looking to lay over two dollars with you Darvish and the Padres against the Diamondbacks but I still have some trepidation taking that plus money with Arizona because again on paper and looking at the numbers they should not have the advantage in this game and to me it's not worth the bet but simultaneously I'm not looking to lay that big of a price with the Padres so those games I'm just kind of avoiding and ultimately Greg I'm looking for the teams that may have a clear-cut advantage but you're not having to lay too much i.e. the Cubs against the Reds because the Cubs still not a top team or a team that just has their desperation levels a little bit higher like your Milwaukee Brewers I mean I'm kind of with you I'm declaring them dead and I'm sure (laughs) a lot of people are but they're still fighting for every inch out there and they got to take advantage against the Colorado Rockies which is more than doable but it's always tough to go into Coors Field so that may be a very high scoring game where you can look at the total going over but man I mean the Brewers need to win I mean they got to play perfect themselves so Milwaukee as gross as they have been that's a team that I'm kind of keeping on the back burner to go all right this is a team that needs it more than most I don't want to get too crazy with them, but keep an eye for the right spots with Milwaukee because there's going to be several of them still by the time we reach the end of this season. So that's kind of been my philosophy. You know, it winds down as we get closer to this point, which is unfortunate because we love betting so much baseball, Greg. But at this point, I'm just trying to do quality over quantity. So it's really picky and choosy based on those incentives and naturally the pitching matchup and everything else that goes into it. So interesting to take a look at these games towards the back half of the season because there are clearly guys like, I'll mention it with Zach Allen of the Arizona Diamondbacks and that Diamondbacks team in general. They're coming out with a lot of fight right now. They're looking to finish the season above 500. Then you've got other teams like I am looking at you, the Pittsburgh Pirates, that 
I'm just to say, you know what? The season is done. We've got tea times in October, and we'll have a good time with that. So it always does make things very fascinating to take a look at. And something else I know that you're taking a look at is the game of football. I know that you're doing a great job with our new pro football betting podcast, which you're able to find wherever you get this podcast. I know you're doing a lot of work on the weekend as well, taking a look at all the live action that we're getting in terms of the college football and the NFL slate. So let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms because I know that you, with the new visa schedule, have a little bit of a new schedule yourself. Yeah, man. So I'm doing three episodes a week with VEASAN's Pro Football Betting Podcast. We'll be previewing Monday Night Football. Former Super Contest champion Brady Cannon and I will have you covered every Monday. The episode will be released for that. For Thursday night, VEASAN's very own Matt Humans and I doing the same drill, but for Thursday's primetime action. And then the episode on Friday morning will consist of Mike Palm and I touching on every single game on the Sunday slate, props, futures, bets, and just overall outlook of each and every game at Danny Burke 5. I'll be tweeting out the links, but otherwise you can find it at bsin.com or wherever you get your podcast. And then as you alluded to, Greg, two shows on the weekend, 11 to 2, live bet Saturday. I say 11 to 2 Central time, that being. Noon to 3 Eastern time for everybody out there who likes to refer to that. JBT, Jonathan Von Tobelbees, an analyst, and I will be talking plenty of college football. And then on Sundays, 3 p.m. Eastern time to 8 p.m. Eastern time on Beeson, live bet Sunday, myself, along with Ben Wilson and Jeff Parles, taking it through all the shenanigans of Sunday football. Should be a blast and can't wait for it this football season, my man. Absolutely. It is going to be a great time. And the NFL season, it is almost here. Danny, I know, is ramped up for it. I know that Danny as well. He's doing a great job taking a look at what we're getting day in and day out in terms of the baseball slate as well. It is always a pleasure to go out to the great state of Illinois and have Danny on, and he delivered the goods once again today. A big thanks to Danny Burke for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beastly Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. It can be picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we touch them all. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, 
You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. 
you'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game-changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. 
If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always a pleasure to go out to the great state of Illinois and be joined by Danny Burke. He does an amazing job here at the network. Now that he's doing a great job taking a look at the NFL and college football, I know that he is locked in on everything around the Chicago sports scene as well. Bet on Chicago is something that you're able to hear in the area on every single Saturday, so Great to be able to get him aboard. Big thanks to Danny for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNN underscore 81. Going to have a little bit of TBD with a few of these games because... We now have a pair of doubleheaders, both involving the New York team, so that always makes things nice and fun for keeping things clean and easy. We've got expected pitchers on ESPN, but currently don't have anything listed up on the betting board, especially for that Mets versus Pirates game, so I shall do my best there. But with that said, let us get started with 951-952 on the betting board. The Milwaukee Brewers are going to be in there. They're going to be facing off against the Colorado Rockies. Kyle Freeland is going to be going for the Rocks, and Eric Lauer is on the bump for Milwaukee. Milwaukee, anywhere between a minus 132 to a minus 140 favorite, between plus 120 and plus 125, your number on Colorado, 11.5 is the total over and under, about that minus 110. This is barely in range for me to be able to take the Milwaukee Brewers for Eric Lauer over the course of his last 15 starts. He has allowed 17 home runs and does have a 403 ERA compared to a 290 ERA, but it's looked a little bit better in some of his recent starts. Last five starts, he's posted up a 334 ERA. Has been doing a better job of being able to just keep the ball in the yard in general, giving up just one home run in his last three starts. So that is really the big thing with him because he does a solid job getting right around eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings. Walks are a little bit high, a little bit over three walks per nine innings, but nothing too terrible there for Kyle Freeland. Gives out a little bit less than three walks per nine innings, but he's had his struggles at home this year. You may recall in 2018, he was like one of the most amazing first five pitchers in Coors Field that we've ever seen, but this year, 6'10 home ERA compared to a 3.46 ERA on the road. 
at home. He's been giving up right around about 1.3 home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine rate that is hovering in the neighborhood about 2.8, 2.9 with opponents hitting a little over 300 off of him. And then you have a Brewers team that has Hunter Renfro, Willie Adamas, Roddy Tellez all being able to supply at least 24 home runs. They really don't have that table setter for this team, but they did wind up getting back Christian Yelich yesterday as he, Mike Brasso, Colton Wong, Renfro I mentioned a little bit earlier. All these guys hitting between about a 249 to 260. They could use that guy that moves the line a little bit more. Jace Peterson might be that. He has come back recently hitting about a 265, but not a ton of average with this team. Andrew McCutcheon to be able to reach base. And Keston Hira, he's been doing a very solid job ever since coming back up to the big league level. He's been getting a home run every about 12 to 12 and a half at-bats. But for the Colorado Rockies, they have been hitting about 45 points higher at home rather than on the road this season. Something like Randall Gritchick hits above 300 at home. Below a 220 on the road. CJ Crone, 26 home runs this season. 19 of them have wanted coming at home. You've got so many guys with demonstrative home and road splits. And that really does linger with the bullpen as well. Lucas Gobra is someone who's out of the fold. I still remember he was posting up a sub-3 ERA at home. North of a 6 ERA on the road. You've got so many of these examples. Daniel Bard, he's got a sub-250 ERA at home. Carlos Sevens has been able to do a solid job at home. Galax Kalame, sub-3 ERA at Coors Field. But for the Milwaukee Brewers... Hobie Milner, he's been a little bit touch and go along with Brent Suter, but Suter's been able to shape up recently. Taylor Rogers seems to be getting a little bit less unlucky. Devin Williams still has a sub-2 ERA this season. You've had Brad Boxberger being able to give you some relatively solid innings as well. For the Brewers, the bullpen pieces are there. They just need to find those defined roles, and I do think that they're starting to do so. I do think that there's a little bit of value here with the Milwaukee Brewers, and I do think that Eric Lauer could be able to do a relatively solid job of being able to contain a Colorado Rockies team that they've been quite inconsistent with their bats recently. Semi-total of 11.2, so at 11.5, going to be taking a look at the under, willing to lay up to a minus 134 with the Brewers as well. 9.53, 9.54 on the board. The LA Dodgers are going to be playing us to the San Francisco Giants. Alex Cobb goes for the Giants, and Clayton Kershaw is on the bump for the Dodgers. The Dodgers, they are sizable favorites in this spot. Anywhere between minus 245 and minus 255. Anywhere between plus 215 and plus 225. Your number on San Francisco, 9 is the total. The over and the under, anywhere between minus 105 minus 115. And I think that we've went up a little bit too lofty. I'm going to be willing to take the plus price with the San Francisco Giants. Clint Kershaw in his first start back against the New York Mets allowed just one run over the course of five innings. You can tell that they're trying to ease him back in there so we may not see a full workload from once again. And on top of that, I know that Kershaw only gave up one run in that start. He didn't necessarily look overly sharp to me. I know that the numbers are going to say he had six strikeouts and five innings and everything like that. But I came away relatively unimpressed for a start like that now, last time he faced off against the San Francisco Giants, gave up two runs, one of which were earned in a 5-3 to three win for the team. But, I mean, the it's LA Dodgers, they're now 5-6, and six, and Clayton Kershaw's last 11 starts. And for Alex Cobb, he's been relatively unlucky this season. He's got a 358 ERA, a fielding independent that hovers more in the neighborhood about a 275, just because all the balls that have gone and play against him have really been unlucky. He's giving up right around .6 home runs. Per nine innings, his walks per nine rate hovering in the neighborhood of two and a half. This has really manifested itself on the road. He's got a one and zero record on the road at nine starts with a 506 ERA, giving up less than 0.9 home runs per nine innings, but opponents are getting a 300 off of him. It's just been maddening, but you take a look at Alex Cobb. In his last five starts, he has allowed a grand total of seven runs. He has really been on his game now. For the Giants, you do have your trepidations with this bullpen, but you've got a quadrant of guys, Alex Young, along Camille Yudval, Jarlon Garcia, John Brebbia. They're all posting up a 3-2 ERA better for the Dodgers. 
They do have the best ERA in the big leagues in terms of their bullpen with a lot of the unsung heroes being able to come through. Caleb Ferguson, Evan Phillips, Alex Vasiev. These are guys that have been able to post up a sub-2-5 ERA this season. Phil Bickford has been a little bit of a hot mess, and Craig Kimbrell, someone that you don't want to be trusting in. But by and large, they've been able to do their part for the Dodgers. No doubt you've got more firepower in this lineup with Mookie Betts being able to hit 33 home runs. It has been absolutely incredible this season. Then on top of that, Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner, Max Muncie, Joey Gallo, Cody Bellinger, all between 15 and 19 home runs with Will Smith, 21 home runs. Freeman and Turner, both of these guys hitting above a 300. Justin Turner, since the beginning of the summertime, he's been hitting above a 300. But for the San Francisco Giants, you've got some relatively solid balance. You don't necessarily have that one guy that has left out at Adam Massive. Your Jock Peterson has been able to supply 21 home runs, but hasn't been like any sort of a supreme year. But with Peterson along with Austin Slater, Theria Estrada, they're only between about a 264, 28, 270. They do a great job of playing in the splits and knowing which of these guys to put in as You've got guys like Evan Longoria, Tommy Lastella, Wilmer Flores, hitting between about a 237 to a 250. They've done a really nice job of being able to mix and match on that front. J.D. Davis has come in. He's been able to give this team some relatively solid innings. Just still not sold on Clayton Kershaw necessarily being fully back. I think that this is a little bit of an overinflated number. And like the way that Alex Cobb has been rolling, I was willing to take... The Giants at a plus 205 or greater. We have certainly been able to get there. So, going to take a look at the plus price. The Giants, I do think that they're going to be able to trot out there more of their trustworthy bullpen pieces. And the Dodgers, they themselves, best ERA of any team in the National League. So, I set my tail at 8.3, looking under. And I'm going to be taking a look at the Giants, despite the fact that it should be a warm one out there in Los Angeles. Now, we go to one of those double dips, and we'll just do these games together. 955, 956, going to be in conjecture with 981, 982 on the betting board. It is the New York Mets. They're in the road. They're facing off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. We don't have numbers on any of these games. Right now, the betting board reads to be determined on both sides in both of these matchups. Now, according to ESPN, and we're going to use these ESPN projected starters for this instance, Jacob DeGrom goes in game one for the Mets, and Bryce Wilson is going to be going for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And then in game two, Chris Bassett will be going for the Mets, and you don't mess with the Johan Oviedo. It's going to be going for the Pirates. And in both instances, the Mets are a very, very sizable favorite in DeGrom versus Wilson. Mets minus 316 on the money line, minus 180 on the run line. Seven or less looking over, seven half or higher to the under. Bassett minus 265 favorite, minus 155 on the run line. Eight or less to the over, eight and a half or higher to the under. So you're going to need some big, big plus prices with the Pirates, and if you flip around the pitchers, it might make a little bit of a difference, but certainly still Mets being very, very sizable favorites. Jacob DeGrom, since he's come back, he's posted up a sub-2 ERA. We had our question marks because they wound up giving up a little bit of extra rest before his last start against the LA Dodgers, and what did he do? He punched out nine, and he gave up one run to arguably the best offense out there in the National League, and for Bryce Wilson, he's got a 6-12 ERA, and he's not pitching well at home. 6-68 home ERA. 579 area on the road. He has been giving up right around two home runs per nine innings when he has been at home. Opponents are above a 300 off of him. And then for Yohan Oviedo, I still remember when he was with the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cardinals won fewer than 30% of his starts. It was pretty deplorable. Now, I will say this. First start they wound up delivering for the Pirates, three scoreless innings. Problem is, he wound up going three innings. And that means that this is going to be a Wolfman game, which... Might not be the worst thing in the world because Chase Young has actually formed himself into being a very good long reliever that can give you three plus innings. He's posting up a sub two ERA, but Manny Benuelos is probably your next best option to be able to give you multiple innings from there. 
Yuan Ramirez, Robert Stevenson, guys like this, they have been deplorable in the Buccos bullpen. And then you do take a look at the flip side for the New York Mets. And Seth Lugo has been very solid post-All-Star break, posting up a sub-250 ERA in the time span. Tommy Hunter, Adam Adovino, both of these guys, they've been able to do a very solid job. They've been able to shape up. They're giving you a sub-3 ERA now. Yoli Rodriguez has not necessarily been too tremendous, but I will say in a reliefful role, Trevor Williams, he has been tremendous. As a starter, Trevor Williams, he does see his ERA heighten a little bit, but coming out of the bullpen, sub-250 ERA, and then you've obviously got Edwin Diaz. Trumpets should be out, even if it is Pittsburgh. Hopefully they wind up playing them on the road, but you do also take a look at the lineup for the Mets, and they do have this Pittsburgh Pirates team dominated as got a lot of guys that they just do a solid job in general of moving the line. Mark Hanna, Pete Alonzo, Brandon Nimmo, Francisco Lindor, all in between about a 264 to 272, entering into what we wound up seeing on Tuesday with Alonzo being the leader in home runs on the road the last two seasons, other than Aaron Judge, obviously. And he's got 32 this season overall. He has been able to do an amazing job. Francisco Lindor, 85 RBI. He has been rock solid. Sterling Marte hitting about a 295. Jeff McNeil, a 320. And then on the flip side for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Brian Reynolds has been very impressive for this team. 20 home runs. He's done a very solid job. I'll be able to help this team out. And then it's obviously the revenge game of Daniel Vogelback in that trade a little bit earlier this season. But you do take a look at Rodolfo Castro, Ben Gamble, Cabrian A's. These are guys in between about a 242-245. Jason DeLay, Michael Javis. They've been okay as well with Javis being able to give you double digit on a former send. Kevin Newman sitting at 275. I don't know why they wound up having him hit sixth yesterday, but he's been able to actually get on base. But guys like Jack Swazinski, Onyo Cruz and company, they have not been able to do a good job of being able to move the line. So I do think that you've got a relatively good advantage here. And then for the New York Mets, other starter with Chris Bassett. He has been absolutely lights out for this team. The New York Mets, they have won each out of his last seven starts now. They have won all but one of his starts ever since the All-Star break. And overall for the season, I believe that they are now 19-6 and six overall in his starts. He's been able to do a very solid job giving up right around 0.9 home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine rate, a little bit above two. He's been able to do a... A little bit of a worse job on the road, but it's still not bad. 412 road ERA compared to a 277 home ERA on the road. He is giving up right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings, but going up against this Pirates lineup, that should be able to help him out quite a bit. So once again, in Oviedo versus Bassett, eight or less looking at the over, eight half or higher to the under. In DeGrom versus Wilson, seven or less looking at an over, seven half or higher to the under. With DeGrom, he's minus 316, Bassett minus 267, big run lines. In both of those, if we see a little bit of a flip in pitchers, that'll be posted up on my Twitter feed at GNRS41. 957, 958 on the betting board. It is the Philadelphia Phillies. They're going to be playing mostly by Amy Merlins. Trevor Rogers is going to be going for Miami and Bailey Falter. Hopes to not live up to a same for the Philadelphia Phillies. Phillies between minus 170 and minus 175 favorites. And we're between plus 150 and plus 158. Your number on Miami. 7.5 to 8 is your total. On the 8, the under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. On the 7.5, the over is minus 120. And the under is even. And I don't know why we're getting such high totals in terms of Miami Marlins games. The Marlins entered into what we wound up getting on Tuesday, having scored three runs or fewer in 30 out of their last 33 games. I mean, they did not wind up having a single healthy player in the lineup with at least seven home runs this season. Guys like J.J. Belady, Peyton Budrick, and company, they just don't belong on the lineup. None of these guys deserve any shine in terms of this lineup because nobody's moving the line. Nobody's going deep. Nobody's just giving you professional at-bats at this point. 
it is sad to take a look at. For the Philadelphia Phillies, they're going to need to get this over all by themselves, and they're facing off against a guy that is a little bit resurgent in Trevor Rogers. Looked very good at his last minor league rehab appearance, gave up one run over the course of six innings, and for Rogers, he's actually been significantly better on the road than he has been at home. Posting up a 479 road area compared to a 636 home area. He's given up four home runs over the course of 47 innings. Has been actually relatively unlucky on the road now. The walks have been an issue. On the road, he's been giving up a little bit over five bucks per nine innings. And then you do take a look at Mr. Bailey Felter. And he's been able to post up some good performance recently. Three runs of fear surrendered in each out of his last four starts. Two of those starts came against the Pittsburgh Pirates. So he has sort of been an off and on guy. For the Philadelphia Phillies, and he's actually got a 475 home area compared to a road area that's more in the neighborhood about a 3-3. So he's been able to do some of his best work when he has been at home. And for Bailey Falter, on top of that, it's one of those things where I do take a look at a little bit of regression for him because he has been giving up right around two home runs per nine innings. So facing up against Miami Marlins, it's probably not going to be peaking in this instance with the Philadelphia Phillies. He's been able to get quite a bit more recently on Brayson Sod. He's been able to about a 275 over the course of the last 40 days, Bryce Harper says coming off the Angeles, hitting above 300. No home runs in that time span, but certainly has been able to do a good job of being able to reach base. JT Mito post all-star break, hitting above a 300 at Cassianos. When he's been out there, he's been a little bit banged up. He's been hitting a 300 post all-star break. Reese Hoskins, Kyle Schwarber, your main mashers, they both have been very solid, being able to provide north of 60 home runs between the two of them with Schwarber only about a 215, but he's been able to do a solid job of being able to reach base. I certainly do think that it's going to be another low-scoring slog for the Miami Marlins. That's the bullpen has not been too bad. Steve Kurt has been able to provide a sub-3 ERA. Dylan Floro, Richard Blyer, both of these guys have been able to do a relatively solid job. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, even though they are dealing with their bullpen ailments right now, Sir Anthony Dominguez has been out for the last few weeks. He's got an injury to Corey Knabel, which will likely sideline him for the rest of the season. David Robertson, Brad Hand have been solid. Connor Brockton has been a little bit up and down recently, but I certainly do think that he's going to be able to do a solid job here as well. And let's call it what it is. They are going up against the Miami Marlins. So certainly going to be taking a look at the under in this spot. I was willing to go under pretty much as long as we were getting a 7F or higher. And with the Miami Marlins, I did need at least a plus 168 in this spot because, well, they're just not scoring it off. You're looking at the run line. Currently of the Philadelphia Phillies, you're going to be finding that somewhere in the neighborhood about a plus 120 to a plus 115. So ultimately for me, this is going to be coming down to whether or not I'm going to be able to get more like a minus 160 to a minus 165. Or if we wind up getting the run line more like about a minus 125-ish on the Miami Marlins, I'd be willing to nibble there. Because I did wind up saying the Phillies minus 168 personally. Right now the lowest number I'm seeing is minus 170 though. This has already come down 15 cents. So... The way that I'm playing this, I'm right now waiting to see if I can get the Phillies down just a few more cents and then fire in one that winds up getting it down to a minus 168 or less as we've already seen a pretty dramatic line move here. So, plan on being on the Phillies, but just waiting on the line move to go along with the under as we go 959-960 on the board. It is the Chicago Cubs. They're going to be playing us the Cincinnati Reds. We are on to Cincinnati. And Mike Minor hopes to not be a major disappointment for them. And Javier Assad is going to be going for the Cubs, this is a game that I'm only seeing at DraftKings right now with the money line of the Cubs minus 135 plus 115 on the Cincinnati Reds. No total up on this game because it is always dictated by that Wrigley Field win. Right now, looks like the wind is going to be blowing in in the neighborhood about 8 or so miles per hour. So relatively similar to what we wound up seeing in the game yesterday between these two. And I did wind up setting relatively high total despite the wind where in 8.5 or less, I'll be taking a look at the over 9 or higher to the under. I mean, this is a game in which we are 
going to be seeing it be quite a bit of a wind-blowing-in situation, but the reason why I do take a look at a little bit of a higher total is that both of these offenses have just been relatively decent for one, and two, you've got Mike Miner, who's got a 598 ERA, and he has not been able to do a great job in terms of command. 3.4 walks per nine innings. None of that has to do with the wind. And Aviad Assad, he's been giving up right around five walks per nine innings. So these guys put guys on very cheaply. Even with the wind blowing in, you're still able to get quite a few hits. Mike Miner, he's allowing opponents hit well over at 275 off of him. And Aviad Assad, he has allowed 16 base runners over the course of his 10 innings this season and has allowed just one run. He has been incredibly fortunate and both of these offenses have been able to do a relatively solid job. You've got a Cincinnati Reds team that it is a little bit top-heavy because of the moves that they want to make at the trade deadline as guys like Stuart Fairchild, Austin Romine, A.C. Aquino. They're not necessarily so great, but Jonathan India, Kyle Farmer, both of these guys in between about 262-265. Donovan Solano has been able to 300 for this bunch. Upper Tomorrow Jr. had a good start to the season, has tapered off a little bit recently, but you do have guys for this red team, they're able to move the line. Jake Fraley, TJ Friedel, and then for the Chicago Cubs, they've been dealing with a few ailments of their own. Patrick Wisdom has been out of the fold along with Wilson Contreras, but still got Nick Mandrigal, C.A. Suzuki, Christopher Morrell, in between about a 245 to 260 E He's got a 350 on base. And Fred Mill Reyes, ever since he's come over to the Chicago Cubs, he's actually been able to find a little bit of a niche with this team. In 25 games going into yesterday, he had hit four home runs and was providing right around about a 280 average. So, and it's been solid for this Cubs team. Neither of these teams necessarily rely upon the deep ball. They just rely upon being able to move the line in general. And both of these bullpens are terrible. The Reds are currently dead last in terms of bullpen ERA. Ian Gabo, Buck Farmer, both of these guys are providing right around about a four ERA and other than Alexis Diaz. Those are your most trustworthy guys. Art Warren, Revier San Martin, Joe Kuno. These guys are awful. And for the Cubs, they wind trading away David Robertson. They wind trading away Michael Givens. You've got guys like Sean Newcomb, Michael Rucker that are not necessarily too trustworthy. Eric Uelman, he has seen his ERA go up to about a 480. Been able to get a couple solid innings out of Brandon Hughes, but I mean, post trade deadline, it's been a relatively bad state of affairs for the Chicago Cubs team for Javier Assad. He has been getting incredibly lucky for Mike Miner. He's just been terrible all season long. So even with the wind blowing in, in after less, looking at an over nine or higher to the under end with the Cubs, I do think that they've got a little bit more depth in general. I do not want to be trusting in this Cincinnati Reds bullpen in general. So I do mind saying the Reds as a plus 157 underdog was willing to lay up to a minus 157 with the Cubs. So currently at the number that we're seeing at DraftKings, not really seeing it anywhere else. We'll be looking at the Cubs and like I said, eight and a half or less going to be taking a look at an over in this spot as well. 961-962 on the board. It is the St. Louis Cardinals playing against the Washington Nationals. Court Abbott is going to be going for the Nats and Jordan Montgomery is going to be going for the St. Louis Cardinals. Cardinals are a massive favorite. Anywhere between minus 290 and minus three dollars. And between plus two fifty and plus two sixty is your number on Washington. Eight and a half is your total. Under is minus one fifteen, the over is minus one five. Seeing a straight eight out there on the eight, the over is minus one twenty, and the under is even and I've been taking a lot of big plus prices with the Washington Nationals recently, and I'm a sucker for pain. I'm going to be going back to the well with Jordan Montgomery. He has been incredible since coming over to the St. Louis Cardinals, posting up a sub-2 ERA. He's always been able to do a solid job with the command, even back with his time with the New York Yankees this season, was posting up a sub-2 ERA. So there's no question that he's going to be able to come in, and he's going to be able to do a solid job and be able to hold down the fort with that regard. But I do think that you might have a little bit of something here with Corey Abbott. Someone that has been utilized as both a starter and a little bit of a reliever when he wanted making his starts a little bit towards the beginning slash middle of the month of August. It didn't wind up turning out too bad. 
I'm not going to go out here and say that he was like the Mona Lisa Vito of pitching, but I mean, he wound up making, I believe it was four starts, and he wound up allowing three runs or fewer in all but one of them. So he's been able to do an okay job with that regard. He does need to tame down the walks, four and a half walks per nine innings. And with Jordan Montgomery on the flip side, he gives up a little bit less than home run per nine innings. Corey Abbott, he's been giving up more around two bombs per nine innings, but he does have some pretty good stuff. He's able to get some swings and misses. And this Washington Nationals lineup has all of a sudden been able to erupt. You've got someone in Luis Garcia sitting very nearly a 300 for this team. Lane Thomas, Kibar Ruiz, Cesar Hernandez. These are all guys in between about a 245 to 255. You don't necessarily have a lot of power outside of Luke Voigt. Voigt has been able to hit about 18 home runs this season, but Lane Thomas, he's been able to come along. 15 bombs for him. You do have a St. Louis Cardinals team that, no question, they've got the Washington Nationals outgun, and I'm not saying that the Cardinals should be an underdog by any stretch of the imagination here, especially when you've got a duo in Nolan Arenado along with Paul Goldschmidt hitting a 300-plus with Goldschmidt right around a 420 in terms of his on base, north of 60 home runs between the two of them. Albert Pujols plus all-star break hitting right around 400. Then it's been incredible. Lars Newpar doing a good job with a 345 on base. Brendan Donovan at home hitting a 350, but Cardinals are also dealing with some ailments when it comes to bullpen. Genesis Cabrera, Packy Naughton, two of their better long relief guys. They are currently out of the fold for this team. Andre Palanti has been able to do a solid job as a long guy. Giovanni Gallegos, he's been solid along with Ryan Elsley. He's posted up a sub-3 ERA, but the Washington Nationals, they've got guys that all of a sudden have been playing for pride. Kyle Finnegan, Hunter Harvey, Erasmo Ramirez. These guys are posting up a sub-3-5 ERA with Ramirez. He's down below a 3. Carl Edwards Jr. has been able to do a relatively solid job. So even if Corey Abbott does wind up giving up some runs, you've got a team that is able to really establish themselves and fortify from there. I do wind up saying my total at an 8.3. I personally would rather have an 8 over rather than an 8.5 under, but this does seem to be trending in the direction of a lot of 8.5s, and, and I would be willing to take an 8.5 under. But I mean, with the St. Louis Cardinals, once again, they should be a relatively sizable favorite. $3 favorite, I question that with a guy in Jordan Montgomery who has been a little bit more topsy-turvy after he wound up having that amazing start in St. Louis as he did wind up giving up five runs in that start against the Atlanta Braves. So I think that we've just went up a little bit too high in the spot. I'm going to be taking the Mondo number here with Washington Nationals. And they wind up saying my total at 8.3, so looking at an 8.5 under. 9.63, 9.64 on the betting board. The Arizona and the Diamondbacks hit the road face off against the Slam Diego Padres. You Darvish is going to be going for the pods, and Tommy Henry is on the bump for Arizona. Eight is your total. Over and under, both at minus 110. With Arizona, anywhere between plus 175 and plus 185 is your price on them. Anywhere between minus $2 and minus 195, seeing it straight minus 210 is your number on San Diego. And if you're taking a look at the Padres on the run line, you're going to be finding that right around even money. And for you, Darvish, he's over his last two seasons with the Padres, posted up an ERA right around two points lower at home rather than on the road, which is why I did mind up saying the Padres more around a minus 210 favorite. And with regards to run line, I was willing to lay up to a minus 112 in this spot. So seeing even money on the run line, that does wind up appealing to me. I do think that you, Darvish, going to be able to go out there against an Arizona Diamondbacks team that I love the way that they're playing right now. This has been a bunch that has really been able to rally around each other, really tried to be able to get a winning record for the season. But for Darvish, how about a 229 home ERA compared to a 409 ERA on the road at home? Giving up less than a home run per nine innings on the road. A little bit over a home run per nine innings, but the big thing for him is that he's allowing opponents at 70 points lower off of him at home rather than on the road. Warmer weather out there in the state of California right now, but San Diego always plays very pitcher-friendly. And then for our good friend, Mr. Tommy Henry, 
relatively consistent numbers home to road 496 home area 470 era on the road it's not really giving up the deep ball three home runs in 31 and two-thirds innings but i think that the regression monster is coming from he has been giving up right around 4.6 walks per nine innings he's only getting right around six strikeouts per nine innings and has a sub five era so that is a little bit of a concern for me for the san diego padres they've been without brandon drury the last few days after he wound up taking that hit by pitch off of the head literally of dustin may so that was not great but Juan Soto, Manny Machado combined 50 home runs between these two gentlemen as Soto, Jerickson, Profar, Will Myers, Austin, Nola, all these guys in between about a 242, 250 throw on their Jake Cronenworth as well. Hassan Kim to be able to move the line as well. Trent Grisham after he was just terrible towards the beginning of the season. He's been able to shape things up a little bit more recently in terms of being able to get on base, in terms of being able to provide a little bit of power. They're using him in a little bit more of a platoon spot. Josh Bell, he really needs to pick it up. He's been aiming below 200 ever since he wound up getting into San Diego, but I do have a couple of dead bats when it comes to the Arizona Diamondbacks as well. Guys like Geraldo Perdomo, Sergio Alcantara, Corbin Carroll, they've had a tough time with regards to a lot of their middle infielders, but Alec Thomas, Quetel Marte, these are guys are in between about a 245 to 255. Christian Walker posts all-star break. He had 275, 31 home runs overall for the season. It's been tremendous. Dalton Varsho, he's pounded out 20 bombs as well. Joshua Ross has been able to move the line, but in terms of the Arizona the Diamondbacks bullpen, big trepidation, Sarah, as you've got Joe Mantiply, Ian Kennedy. Both of these guys are providing a sub-3-3 ERA, but you got guys like Reyes Maranta, along with Mark Melanson, Noe Ramirez, that you just can have absolutely no faith in whatsoever at this point, north of four ERAs. And Josh Hader is a guy that you can have no faith in whatsoever. 17.55 ERA entering into Tuesday. Nabel Kurzman has been able to lend multiple innings. He's been solid along with guys like Nick Martinez, Adrian Motahon. So I do think that the Padres, they've got a significant leg up. I do think that Hugh Darvish going to be able to go out there, turn a relatively solid start. I did wind up saying my total at an 8.2. I do think that with the Diamondbacks improved play, they're going to be able to get the Darvish and this bullpen a little bit, but I also do think that the Padres, they're going to tattoo this Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen, which they themselves have not been too tremendous either. So, looking at the 8 over and looking at a Padres run line. 965-966. This is going to be the DK Nation pick as it is the Detroit Tigers on the road facing off against the LA Angels. Patrick Sandoval is going to be going for the Halos and Drew Hutchinson is going to be on the bump for Detroit. Detroit, a sizable underdog. Anywhere between plus 180 and plus 185 between minus $2 and minus 210. The number on the Angels, 9 is your total. Unders between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 105. And I set my total at a 7.2. This is a Detroit Tigers team that they are last in the American League in terms of runs per game on the road. And they just have provided no opportunities whatsoever to take overs all season long. And Hutchinson has actually not been terrible for them. Now, I will say he's giving up right around about 3.6 walks per nine innings. Not a guy that's going to go out there and get a bunch of punch outs either. Right around 5.7 strikeouts per nine innings. But Hutchinson, 360 road ERA. Four home runs given up in 35 innings. Opponents starting at 219 off of him. His command has actually been a little bit better on the road. He's not been bad. And then for Patrick Sandoval, you take a look at the way that he's performing. And the issue that you do have with him is that he does wind up giving up the free pass a little bit too much overall this season. For Patrick Sandoval, he's been giving up in the neighborhood about four walks per nine innings. But he's given up six home runs at 122 innings. And that's not really a threat to go up in this spot because he's facing off against the terrible Detroit Tigers. Three home runs in 60 and a third innings with opponents sitting at 248 off 
of them at home. Been able to do a good job getting right around 9.3 strikeouts for nine innings. And I mean, let's just go through the name of guys that for the Detroit Tigers are in a 225 or lower. It's right now. Right now, they're one of their best batters in terms of average. Is Javi Baez is a 228. That should say it all right there. But Tucker Barnard, Cody Clemens, Akil Badu, Spencer Trokelson, Jonathan Scope, Jameer Candelario, Ryan Kreidler, all these guys. They're inning at 216 or lower. They don't have a single guy with more than 12 home runs on the roster. It's sad. And for the Angels, post-all-star break, this has been a top-10 bullpen in terms of ERA. Guys like Andrew Wants have actually been able to step up. Jose Quiata, he's providing a sub-3-3 ERA. Ryan Tapera has been a little bit better for this team. So you've got some promise when it comes to that. And for the Angels, I will say, top portion of the lineup has not been bad. You've got Mike Trout and Shoyo Tania, combined 62 home runs, adding into Tuesday. And both of these guys are inning in that realm of about a 270, along Luis Ranifo, David Fletcher has been able to do a good job of being able to move the line. Taylor Ward has seen things go down the toilet bowl second half of the season, but by and large, he's been able to do a relatively okay job. And for the Detroit Tigers, this is still a top 10 team in terms of bullpen ERA. We've seen Gregory Soto have his faults recently, but you still have Andrew Chafin, Jason Foley, Jose Cicerno, guys like this have been able to come out there, provide a relatively solid effort. Alex Lang has been a little bit touch and go, but I think that this is going to be a very low scoring game. When it comes to the Tigers, I did need at least a plus 188 be able to take a shot on them on the money line. And if you're taking a look at the LA Angels run line right now, you're going to be finding that anywhere in the neighborhood of a minus 105. I'd be willing to take it if we were able to get a little bit more of a plus price. So this is going to be one of these circumstances in which I'm going to be targeting the Detroit Tigers with the way that their number is going up and up and up. If I'm able to get around about a plus 185 to a plus 190 on the Tigers, I'll be looking there. And if we do wind up seeing the Tigers go to right around a minus 110 on the run line, which they're in that neighborhood right now, I'll be taking a look there. Whether it be money line or run line, I'll be taking a look at the Tigers in some form or capacity in this game. But really, the DK and pick is on the under. Set my total at 7.2. I'm seeing a 9. So looking at the under to go along with the Tigers in some form or capacity. 967, 968 on the bank board. The Seattle Mariners, they're going to be playing OC Chicago White Sox. To be determined is going to be going for the White Sox. And Luis Castillo is on the bump for Seattle. This is a game that is presently off the board. But when it comes to this Mariners team, I did mind saying the minus 167, if it is going to be what we're seeing projected on ESPN.com right now, which is Mr. Davis Martin. And if you do wind up getting Davis Martin, he's been able to do a relatively solid job. He is not necessarily lit the world on fire, but at the same time, he's been able to provide some, shall we say, competent starts for a Chicago White Sox team that they could badly utilize them. And he's backed up by a bullpen that we were talking about it with Danny Burke. We have seen a pair of guys in Jimmy Lambert along three Naldo Lopez. So there are a pair of guys that, because they are former starters, are able to win multiple innings, do a solid job being able to post up a sub 2-9 ERA. So that has actually been very good for them. Davis Martin only right around six strikeouts for nine innings, but has to be able to contain the walk. So I do think that if he does wind up getting the start in this spot, he's going to be able to provide a relatively solid effort now. Luis Castillo, ever since he has come over to Seattle, he's been able to do a very solid job posting up a 239 ERA. He has been doing a good job in terms of not giving up a lot of walks as well. His walks per nine rate is a little bit above two. His strikeout to walk rate in the neighborhood about five. So that has been tremendous. The strikeout numbers right around 10.5 per nine innings when he's been with the Seattle Mariners. So that is solid. And then when it comes to the Seattle Mariners, you do have a trio of guys that will give you at least 21 home runs. And Eugenio Suarez, Cal Raleigh, you're able to throw in there Julio Rodriguez as well. Batting average has been a little bit of a touch-and-go sort of ordeal with this team. Having a bunch of guys like Raleigh, I mentioned a little bit earlier, Dylan Moore, Abraham Toro, 
Taylor Trammell, I've had a tough time of being able to move the line, get on base, even Jesse Winker when he's been out there, but getting back Mitch Haniger, that has been good for the team as he had 39 home runs last season for the Chicago White Sox. Not a lot of power with this lineup. You don't have a single guy going into Tuesday that have more than 16 home runs, but you do have Luis Robert back at the fold. He, Andrew Vaughn, throwing their Eloy Jimenez, and Jose Abreu, all these guys hitting at least a 280 for this team. It's been a good pickup on Elvis Andrews says ever since he's been with the team, he's been able to do a solid job. It'll be a reach base. You've had guys like a Lurie Garcia when he's been out there as he's been injured all season long. You know, Mancata, yes, Manny Grandal be a little bit of Buster Rooney's, but this team does a great job with regards to their batting average in the top two in the American League in terms of batting average on the road this season. So I do think that the White Sox, despite the fact that they are going to have probably a little bit of a less trustworthy starter, they should shouldn't necessarily be an overly big underdog, though I will say this about the Seattle Mariners since the beginning of the month of June. Best bullpen in terms of ERA in the big leagues. As you've got a lot of guys who are able to just really show out, like Diego Castillo, along with Andres Munoz. Both of these guys, at the beginning of the season, they were just absolutely terrible. Now these guys, they've been able to do a very solid job, posting up a sub-3 ERA over the last three months. You've been able to have Penn Murphy, Paul Seawalt, Throw it in there, Eric Swans, and all these guys have been able to provide a sub-3 ERA all season long. Matt Brash has been able to do a good job in the bullpen as well. So, do mind if saying the Seattle Mariners, minus 167 in terms of the money line, and made my total at 7.7 if it is Davis Martin. 7.5 or less, we'll be looking at an over 8 or higher to the under. 969-970 on the board. It is the Tampa Bay Rays. They're going to be playing those to the Boston Red Sox. As for the Red Sox, it looks like it is going to be indeed Nick Pavetta against Jeffrey Springs. And if we do wind up getting Pavetta right now, DraftKings has a number... Minus 155 on the Tampa Bay Rays. Plus 135 is going to be your number on the Boston Red Sox with a total of 7. Just the under at minus 120 with the over being at even end. It would be a circumstance in which I would be taking a look at the overs. I did wind up saying my total at 7.6. And with the Rays, set them out as a minus 148 favorite. If you're taking a look at the run line, you're going to be finding that right around about a plus 140. I would need at least a plus 145 to be able to take a shot. I'm much closer on the Rays right now. These are very preliminary numbers, so I'd be willing to lay up to a minus 148 would be passing on the current numbers, but I would think that when we do wind up getting more numbers widely available, if it winds up following this bottle, I'd probably be on the race in some form or capacity. And for Jeffrey Springs, he has been able to do a incredible job with the Tampa Bay race at home this season. A 3-2 record at home, despite the fact that he's got a buck 91 ERA. He's been allowing right around 1.15 home runs per nine innings at home. His walks per nine rate is in the neighborhood about a 2.4. So he's been able to do a great job on that front. He's been able to provide nearly 10 strikeouts per nine innings. And for Nick Pavetta, he's actually been a little bit better on the road than he has been at home this season. 398 road ERA, 476 ERA at home. And he's given up the deep ball a little bit less on the road as opposed to at home. Pretty much an equal amount of innings. 11 bombs given up at home. Nine home runs given up on the road. Command has been a little bit better as well. And he's been able to have his moments when it comes to performing against the AL East. And in regards to when he winds up facing the Tampa Bay Rays, they're all bad moments. Two starts against them this season. 12 runs surrendered over the course of 10 and two-thirds innings. So that is a little bit of a worry spot, but not as big of a worry spot as a bullpen of the Boston Red Sox. Currently, it is dead last in the big leagues in terms of ERA. Post-all-star break as Eduardo Bazzardo, along with Ryan Brazier, Matt Barnes, Jurisic Familia, Caleb Orth. These are guys giving you north of a five ERA. Garrett Willock is someone that you're able to rely upon for multiple innings. Matt Stram has been solid. John Schreiber is a guy that I like, but lots of bad arms out there. And meanwhile, for the Tampa Bay Rays, this team does an amazing job with their bullpen. It's Jason Adam. He's been able to provide a sub-150 ERA all season long. Pete Fairbanks, JT Chargois, 
since they've come off the injured list has been solid. Charcois probably knocked himself out for today's game because he did wind up being the opener for the Tampa Bay Rays yesterday. They did wind up having to dive into their bullpen because Yoni Chirinos wound up being pretty much the expected bulk guy for the Tampa Bay Rays instead of just wound up turning out to be a full-on bullpen game. But you do wind up having Manuel Marco back in the fold. He's hitting above a 300 error Ramirez right around 8-3-30. You do have a couple guys like Yu Chang, Jose Siri, Taylor Walls, Isaac Paredes hitting a 220 or lower. But for Paredes, along with Randy Odozarena, both of these guys entered into Tuesday with 18 home runs. So they've been able to do a solid job there. Yandy Diaz right around 390 on base. And then for the Boston Red Sox, lots of guys are able to mash on this team. Christian Arroyo, Alex Verdugo throwing their Rafael Devers. These guys are in between about a 285-290s. Andrew Bogarts has been able to above a 300. You do need a little bit more home run power outside of Rafael Devers as he's been able to provide 26 home runs. You were able to see the young gun and Tristan Casas wind up getting his first career home run yesterday, so that could be a little bit of something for this bunch. Tommy Pham has been able to do a good job pounding out 16 home runs along Trevor Story this far this season, so the Boston Red Sox clearly capable in terms of the lineup, but with that said, I do think that this is going to be a circumstance in which the Tampa Bay Rays are going to be able to get to Boston, so I do want to say the Rays as a minus 148 favorite on the money line. We shall see what winds up happening when we wind up getting numbers a little bit more widely available, but here at the 7th that I'm seeing right now, we'll be taking a look at that over as well. 971, 972. This is going to be in conjecture with 983-984 as it is the Minnesota Twins and the New York Yankees playing a pair. We've got no numbers up on this game because this is a little bit of an impromptu doubleheader that we are seeing, but with that said, when the Joe Ryan versus Garrett Cole game was taken off the board, you are seeing the New York Yankees right around about a minus 190 to a minus 195 with a total of 6.5, so I will hit on this game first and then we will go to game 2, which is going to be 983-984 in a minute, but in terms of the Ryan versus Cole game, I was willing to go up to a minus 103 on the run line. Lots of places I was seeing right around about a plus 110-ish run line of the New York Yankees. So that's where I'd be looking at the run line because with Garrett Cole, he's been able to do a little bit of a better job at home rather than on the road. I do think that it is very important to take a look at the way that in general we have just seen Joe Ryan go down the toilet bowl when he has been on the road as he's posting up a 505 road ERA. He's given up 10 home runs and 46 in the third innings when he has been away from home. Walks have not been too bad with him. Overall for the season, home and road, he's given up right around 2.5 walks per nine innings. Opponents are a 223 off of him and he's been able to get a little bit over nine strikeouts per nine innings, but on the road, it's been a little bit of a different pitcher. Meanwhile, for Garrett Cole, he's still getting strikeouts. As a matter of fact, I believe that he leads the league in terms of strikeouts. He's been giving up, though, right around 1.2, 1.3 home runs per nine innings at home. It's been more like 1.1. And at home, he's given up only about 1.3 walks per nine innings. So he's been able to do a solid job there. 315 home area, 343 road area. Advanced numbers show that he's been a little bit unlucky on that front. For the Yankees, big key is just having someone other than Aaron Judge be able to carry the offense because Aaron Judge, he's earning his MVP award right now. 54 home runs. He's hitting well above a... 300 in terms of the batting average, 400 on base. It has been incredible, but since Matt Carpenter has went down, it's been a cavalcade of guys trying to be able to step up. In a Yankees uniform, and a Yankees uniform only, you've got Isaiah Canerfa-Leffa, Andrew Benatendi, Jose Trevino. These guys in between about a 254 to a 265. DJ LeMayu has been clearly playing injured, but you got guys like Josh Donaldson, Aaron Eggs, John Carlos San. In between about a 212 to a 220, been able to get some relatively good power out of Stanton thus far this season. But 
That has really cooled off ever since he wanted coming off the injured list as well. And for the Minnesota Twins, they're dealing with ailments of their own. Ode Polanco, along with Byron Buxton, their top two home run hitters. They've been out of the fold the last week or so, so that does wind up hurting them. Now, you do have quite a few guys that do, do a nice job of being able to move the line. Luis Arias, he's been able to hit a 315. He has been a great table setter for the team. And then Nick Gordon, Kyle Garlick, Carlos Correa, Jose Miranda, hitting between about a 264 to 274, coupled with Gio Urshela being in the fold as well. That winds up helping out, but the Yankees have been absolutely incredible with their bullpen and the Twins. They have scored three runs or fewer, and now nine out of their last 10 road games. as got Austin Davis now in that bullpen. That's not necessarily too tremendous for them, though I will say Yohan Duran. He's got a sub-2 ERA. There's 100-plus miles per hour. He's been tremendous. Michael Fulmer has been relatively okay in the bullpen as well. Oreo Lopez, one of the better closers in the big league. Giovanni Morin, he's been solid for the Minnesota Twins, but they go up against the Yankees team that leads the American League in terms of runs per game at home. They lead the league in terms of home runs on a per-game basis as well, but reason why the Yankees have still been relatively solid to the unders for one. Offensive bowls outside of Aaron Judge and two, Ron Marinacchio, Clay Holmes, who has been struggling a little bit recently. I will throw that in there, but with that said, also got out there Lucas Lukey, guys like this, posting up a sub-3 ERA, Wadi Peralta. He has been very good all season long. Greg Weiser has some of the most movement I have ever seen on pitches in my life, so I do think that the Yankees should be a relatively sizable favorite in this spot. Did wind up setting my total at 7.8, so if we wind up getting what we wanted getting yesterday when this game was taken off the board, would be taking a look at the Yankees at even money or better on the run line in Cole versus Ryan, and we'll be taking a look at the 6.5 or the 7 over, as I set my total at 7.8. Now let's dive into the other game of 983-984. This is a game that's off the board between Domingo Herman going for the Yankees and Lewis Verland. He is going to be making his MLB debut for the Minnesota Twins, and what I can say about our young gun that is going to be going for the Twins is that he actually looked relatively good at the minor league level overall this season between Double A Wichita and Triple A St. Paul. He wound up posting up right around a three ERA, gave up about a home run per nine innings, but doesn't do a bad job in terms of command. Three walks per nine, ten and a half strikeouts per nine innings. I think that he could go out there, give a relatively competent start. You've got guys like Duran that I was talking about a little bit earlier. Someone like Griffin Jacks, he's able to fill some innings for the team. And Domingo Armand, he's really been able to come on for this New York Yankees team as well. And it does look like if you're taking a look at this time-wise, it is going to be the Varlin versus Domingo Armand game that is going to be going first. So do want to throw that out there. But you do take a look at Domingo Armand. Three earned runs of fear surrendered in each out of his last five starts, really other than that first start against the Houston Astros where he gave up five runs to three innings. He's actually been able to do a relatively solid job for the team, giving up a right around 1.15 home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine rate, that over's in the neighborhood of two. So he's been able to do a great job on that front. Take a look at what he's been able to do at home. And overall for the season, Domingo Armand, 338 home ERA, three ERA on the road, allowing two home runs in 16 innings at home. Relatively small sample size, but I do think that he should be a relatively sizable favorite. I've got both of these games. In terms of the handicap, relatively equal in terms of the money line. As I said, Domingo Armand, minus 193 in this spot. Pretty much even money or better, I'd be taking a look at the run line. And this is the spot in which I do mind setting the total a little bit higher. Eight or less, looking at an over eight and a half or higher to the under. As we go 973, 974 on the bank board, the Baltimore Orioles. They are going to be playing us to the Toronto Blue Jays. Alec Manoa is going to be going for the Jays. And Dean Kramer toes the rubber for the Baltimore Orioles. This is... A spot in which the Toronto Blue Jays are in between minus 140 to minus 155 favorites. In between plus 125 and plus 140, your number on Baltimore. 7.5 is the total. The over is minus 115 and the under is minus 105. And Jays, I set them minus 177 on the money line. And I was pretty much willing to take even money or better on the run line. I have been so impressed by what we've been seeing out of Alec Manoa all season long. Because 
He has been very consistent home to road. He has seen his strikeout numbers wind up falling from last season. Last season, he was getting right around 10 and a half to 11 strikeouts for nine innings this year. It's been a little bit closer to eight, but he's been able to go out there. He's been able to do a very solid job all season long. So I don't have any issues with what he's been able to do all season long as he's overall for the season been able to give this team a 248 ERA. He's been giving up right around 0.8 home runs per nine innings on the road. This winds up going to a 233 ERA in which he gives up more like 0.9 home runs per nine innings with opponents sitting at 225 off of him. And then for Kramer, he has been incredible for this Baltimore Orioles team as well. He is posting up right around about a 322 ERA with two runs or fewer surrendered in each out of his last four starts. So been highly impressed by what he's been able to do. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression here when it comes to Dean Kramer, though, because he's only been able to get right around about 6.9 strikeouts per nine innings. You take a look at what he's been able to do in Baltimore this year, very equal to his road numbers, 314 home ERA, 330 ERA on the road. And for the Baltimore Orioles, been a lineup that has been really relying upon the deep ball of Anthony Santander. Santander has been incredible with 27 home runs this season. You take a look at the lineup and it's relatively balanced in terms of the average as Santander, Cedric Mullins, Edelie Rushman, throw in there Roman Odias, Austin the Saves kid, all these guys hitting between about a 250 to a 260. Brian Mountcastle has been able to the Mendoza line of 200 plus all-star week, but he still has been able to give the team right around a 245 average overall for the season, 20 plus home runs, but you go up against the Blue Jays team in which they've got Boba Shed, Flagger Jr., George Springer, Teoscar Hernandez, Matt Chapman, all these guys who have been able to give you right around 19-plus home runs this far this season. It's been incredible to watch your balance of power. You really don't have any of these guys hitting below a 265 other than Chapman, who still has been able to provide a 320 on base. These guys do an incredible job of moving the line along Florida Scurriel and Alejandro Kirk, hitting at least a 285 for the team. And for the Blue Jays, they rank in the top three in terms of bullpen ERA ever since the All-Star break. Now, the Baltimore Orioles in their own right, they rank in the top six with this regard as well, even without having Ore Lopez in the fold as Joey Crebiel, Keegan Aiken, CNL Perez, Dylan Tate, all these guys have been incredible for them. But you take a look at Anthony Bass, David Phelps, Tim Meza, Yimmy Garcia, Adam Simber. They're all providing a sub-325 ERA. And then Jordan Romano has been able to do a great job of being able to close out games for this Blue Jays team. Right now I'm seeing the Blue Jays on the run line right around about a plus 115. I personally do think that I would rather take a little bit more of a money line being able to get a minus 140. I think is relatively reasonable because I do think that this is going to be a relatively well-pitched game. Semi total at 7.3. So here at the 7.5, going to be taking a look at the under and I'm going to be taking a look at the Jays. 975, 976 on the board. It is the Texas Rangers. They throw in face off against the Houston Astros. Christian Avier is going to be going for the Astros and Cole Reagans is on the bump for Texas. It is the total under is minus 115 and the over is minus 105 when it comes to Houston. They are minus 260 on the money line plus 220 is your number on the Texas Rangers and right now the run line price of Houston that is minus 120 currently only seeing this up at DraftKings and if I had to play it with just the current numbers that we're seeing I would be willing to take a shot on the Houston Astros at that minus 120 run line. I was willing to lay up to a minus 125 personally and when it comes to Cole Reagans, he is going to be someone coming off the injured list. So that does wind up making things a little bit more grody for this team. But with Cole Reagans, was able to show a little bit of upside. Very highly touted guy that he wound up having good swing and miss stuff at the minor league level. He's yet to be able to show that through the major league level as he has went pretty much five innings or fewer in each out of his first 
before it starts. But I will say this, he does a good job of really not getting blown up, except for when he winds up playing against the Astros. Gave up five runs in four and a third innings in that start. That's it. Gave up four earned runs over the course of his other three starts. So he was able to lend a little bit of upside there. Does need to work on the command. He's given up right around four and a half walks per nine innings. But Christian Javier needs to work on that as well. He's been giving up a little bit over three walks per nine innings. Strikeouts per nine rate has been incredible with him as he's been able to get well over 11. And he's got a 252 home ERA compared to a 370 road ERA. So he's been able to do his best work in Houston. Now opponents are getting just a buck 53 off of him in Houston. He is incredible, but you've got to expect a little bit of regression in terms of that number, especially when you wind up going up against the Texas Rangers lineup in which, well, we're going to get to the bullpen woes in a minute, but the lineup itself, they're able to hit bombs as Nate Lowe, Adelise Garcia, Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, all these 20 home runs entering into Tuesday with Seager, Garcia, Simeon all in between about a 242 to a 250, and Nate Lowe hitting above a 300, Leody Tavares has been able to do a good job moving the line, hitting about a 285, Bubba Thompson has been really good at being able to get on base as well, and then for the Houston Astros, you've been able to have quite a few guys outside of Jordan Alvarez being able to step up as well. Alvarez wanted up spending quite a bit of time on the injured list and just has not been himself here in the second half of the season. I know that he's dealt with some back issues throughout his career as well. you got to wonder if that might be playing a little bit of factor as well as he overall for the season 31 home runs, but post-all-star break has went down a little bit, but Alex Bregman, Kyle Tucker, Jose Altuve, all these guys between 20 and 23 home runs to be able to fortify things. Bregman, he's been able to provide right around a 360 on base. Altuve, he's hitting right around 290 for this bunch as well. And then got Trey Mancini with the team. He's only been able to about a 200, but he has six home runs over the course of his first 90 at-bats in a Houston uniform, so he's been able to do a good job on that front. Where Houston does wind up having the Texas Rangers completely dominated, though, that's in the bullpen. Seth Martinez, Brian Abreu, Ryan Stanek, Rafael Montero. These are guys providing a sub-3 ERA. Brian Presley has been a little bit banged up, but when he's been out there, he's been solid. And then for the Texas Rangers, Senna Santana. He's right now giving the team north of a 5 ERA. You've got Brock Burke, Matt Moore providing a sub-250 ERA. Jose Leclerc has been able to do a relatively solid job himself, but you're picking up guys like Aces, Tinoco to help out this bullpen. That's not necessarily great. John King overall for the season just has not been too terrific either. Though I will say, over the last we're going to call it 60 days or so. He's been able to shape up a little bit more, but I do think that the bullpen will was coupled with the fact that Cole Reagan's trying to make his first start coming off the injured list. Not going to be great for them. I needed at least a plus 240 to take a shot on the Rangers. We are not there, so looking at the Astros on the run line, did wind up saying my total at 7.7 as well. I do think that Javier going to be able to do a solid job of being able to shut down these bats as well, so seeing the 8 that I'm seeing right now, I'd be willing to take that under 977, 978 on the bank board. The Cleveland Guardians at the road face off against the Kansas City Royals. Is that cranky? It's on the bump for the Royals, and You've got the young gun going for the Guardians. Cody Morrison, right now, the only number that I'm seeing is at DraftKings, minus 135 on the Guardians, plus 115 on the Kansas City Royals. 7.5, the total over is minus 115, and the under is minus 105. And for Cody Morris, don't expect a lot of length. He wound up going in his first career start, two innings, giving up three runs, two of which were earned against the Adeline. He's got relatively good stuff for this organization, but he never threw more than 61 pitches at the minor league level. At most, you can expect three innings out of him. At the absolute most. This is a bullpen game here for the Cleveland Guardians. I would say don't look overly much into Morris and look at the hole because that is really what's going to be dictating things. you got to think that perhaps someone like an Eli Morgan, a former starter, he's probably going to be seeing quite a few innings in this sort of an outing as Eli Morgan overall for the season. He's been posting up a four ERA. It's been spiraling downward a little bit after he had a good start this season out of the bullpen, but Trevor Steven, Nick Sandlin, these are guys posting up a sub three ERA. James Karinczak has been absolutely incredible for this team as he's been able to do a good job of being able to provide 
right around about a buck fifty. ERA Emmanuel Class A has been lights out for this bunch as well. And then for the Kansas City Royals, this is the worst bullpen in terms of ERA that you're going to find out there in the American League. As you've got guys like Amir Garrett posting up north of a five ERA, Scott Barlow, Dylan Coleman. These guys have been able to do a relatively solid job all season long. But with that said, I do think that it's going to be a circumstance in which it's going to be a little bit tough for them to be able to move the line and get on base because you've got a lot of guys that, in general, they just have not been able to do a great job of being able to put back to ball Bobby Witt Jr. along Salvador Perez. Both of these guys between 18 and 20 home runs at MJ Melendez. He's been able to provide about 15 home runs this season as well. But when it comes to this Kansas City Royals bunch, MJ Melendez is hitting below at 225. Nick Prado has not been consistent at all. Nate Eaton, whenever he's gotten at-bats, has actually been halfway decent for this team. But you've also got guys like Ryan Ern just not holding up their end of the bargain in general. And then you do take a look at the flip side for the Cleveland Guardians and got Josh Naylor along with Andres Jimenez. Both of these guys are able to provide 15 home runs thus far this season. And Jose Ramirez, he's been able to still got 26. Past that, you really don't have any power whatsoever. This Guardians team is in the bottom three in the big leagues in terms of home runs. But you've got Jimenez, who I mentioned a little bit earlier. Jose Ramirez, Amir Rosario, Stephen Kwan, Oscar Gonzalez. All these guys are hitting at least a 275 for the same bottom of the fold. It does wind up getting a little bit more murky. And with the Kansas City Royals just not having a lot of a trustworthy bullpen, that's a little bit tough because that Granky, he's going to be coming off the injury list. And for Granky, to his credit, he's been able to do a very solid job at home. He's got some of the biggest home and road splits that you're going to find in the big leagues. As thus far in Kansas City, Buck 98 home year, a 633 road year, out of his 14 home runs, 13 of them coming on the road, and he's pitched an equal amount of innings this season. So I do think that he's doing for a little bit of positive progression on the road and certainly some negative regression when he is at home. So this is a circumstance in which I do want to send the Cleveland Guardians on the money line minus 136. Minus 135 would be the absolute max that I'd be willing to lay with them, but I would be willing to lay it with them. And I think that this total is a little bit too low, even though the Cleveland Guardians have the best bullpen in terms of ERA that we are finding currently in the big leagues plus all-star break. It's actually a sub-2 that we've been finding. I do think that having to rely upon them for this many innings, that it certainly is a little bit of a tough circumstance as well. So this is the spot in which I do want to say my total north of an 8.5 will be looking at an over. I want to lay up to a minus 135 with Cleveland. And we're going to things off with 979-980 on the betting board. The Oakland A's, they're going to be playing us to the Atlanta Braves as you've got Spencer Strider is going to be on the bump for the A's and Ken Waldachuk is on the bump for Oakland. 7 is your total. Over is any between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is any between even and minus 110. And with the Atlanta Braves, it is any between minus 255 and minus 260. Between plus 215 and plus 230 is your number on the Oakland A's. Right now, I'm seeing the run line of the Atlanta Braves at a minus 140. And I'm going to be willing to lay it. I was willing to lay up to a minus 148 on the run line. I needed north of a plus 250 to be able to fire in on the Oakland A's. Because with Ken Waldachuk, he actually was not bad at the minor league level. At the same time, he's going to be going up against an Atlanta Braves team that they've got a guy by the name of Austin Riley who has been able to slug out a home run in now five out of his last eight games and is going up against a bullpen that, I mean, they still have Sam Mall, they still have A.J. Puck, Domingo Acevedo, has seen his ERA go up to right around about a 3-6. But, I mean, these guys are not bad, but having out of the fold a pair of guys in Danny Jimenez along with Zach Jackson, that does wind up hurting them quite a bit. So, I do take a look at that circumstance, and it's not necessarily ideal for them. And for the Oakland A's, you do have Seth Brown along Sean Murphy, both of these guys providing 18-plus home runs this season. But, I mean, really past that, you don't have a single player that has had north of 50 at bats hitting above a 250. Some of these guys like Sheldon Noisy, who's been in and out of the fold all season long. Chad Pinder, Jonah Bride, they're just not holding up their end of the bargain. And I alluded to it a little bit earlier, the fact that you are getting a lot of production 
out of Austin Riley, who's been able to hit a 285. But you've also got on top of that Michael Harris the second, along Dansby Swanson. They're in between about a 285 to a 300. Ronald Acuna Jr. moving the line 360 on base. Home run power has not necessarily been there with him, but he's been able to do a good job of being able to just find a way on. Matt Olson has been able to provide 25 plus home runs. And Spencer Strider, he is just mowing guys down. Nearly 12 and a half strikeouts per nine. And he said he's been good on the road as well. 324 road ERA, three. 223 home ERA. He's given up just four home runs and 50 innings on the road with opponents hitting a buck 69 off of him when he's away from home. Meanwhile, for their good friend Waldachuk, when he was at the minor league level, he was able to get swings and misses. Showed that off in his first start against the Washington Nationals, giving up one run in four and two thirds innings, getting six strikeouts. Problem with him is going to be command. He did wind up having four walks in that first start. And you take a look at Waldachuk at the minor league level this season 13 strikeouts. Per nine innings, but also three and a half walks per nine innings. So I do think that Walter Shuck, he's actually going to be able to do a good job of holding down the fort for a few innings for this Oakland A's team. But I do think that the fact that he does wind up getting a little bit loose with it, that's going to be hurting him. And for the Atlanta Braves, this is one of the better bullpens you're going to find out there in the big leagues. Jane Kenley Jansen, not necessarily been too tremendous for them, but A.J. Mitchell has been able to provide a sub-3 ERA. Tyler Mazik has been steady for them. They pick up Rossiel Iglesias at the trade deadline. Jackson Stevens, he's able to provide multiple innings as well. And with Spencer Strider really being able to reduce the walks to or fewer in each of his last four starts, I do think that that means that the Atlanta Braves should be able to get good length out of him and should be able to win this game rather comfortably. They might have saying Madrill is 6.9. I am going to be taking a look at the under in this spot because I do think that Waldachuk is going to be able to lend a couple of solid innings. This is also going to be a game in Oakland, which is one of the most pitcher-friendly ballparks that you're going to find in all of baseball. So, a circumstance in which I'm taking a look at the under and willing to lay up to about a minus 148 on that Braves run line. And that'll wrap things up for the Wednesday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN family of podcasts. A big thanks to our good friend Danny Burke of VEASAN for joining me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Citra, and tune in. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we are for those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at Janet underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM. Maybe it does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. And the other way, it is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. And that means that I'm coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.